You know, sometimes you have to make a decision that you just don't like, but you know it's the right one. So my dad and I will each grab a bottle and we'll sit there and try to milk the cow by hand. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper. Welcome to Around River City. This time around, we're going to talk about farming. Farming during a pandemic and farming as a way of life. I'll talk with Caitlin Riley. She's a former Alice in Dairyland, and currently she's the farm director for Midwest Family of Lacrosse. And she still finds time to be a part-time farm girl. I'll also talk with Donna Liam. She and her husband own a farm in Vernon County. So when we come back, we'll roll up our sleeves and get ready for an honest day's work on the farm. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. You can find all of our podcasts at aroundrivercity.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's start our conversation with a favorite coworker of mine. Okay, um, Caitlin Riley, and I'm the Farm News Director with Midwest Family Lacrosse and also a part-time dairy farmer, I guess you could say, as I return home on weekends to my family's farm in Southwest Wisconsin. Is that where you are living these days or where are you, where are you doing your thing from? Because you are sequestered. I am sequestered. So I'm in my apartment in La Crosse right now, although some people might think it's on the farm because there's pictures of cows everywhere. <laughs> but it's just how I keep my sense of normalcy and stay grounded to the farm. Well, and I do have to say, you take some of the most beautiful pictures of cattle that I have ever seen. There's a couple of things I have to credit to that. First of all, we live on this giant ridge called Mount Zion. So we get the most beautiful sunsets around and jerseys are just beautiful in and of themselves. So when you have a beautiful subject, it's easy to get a nice picture. And then technology, because if you can just put portrait mode on a camera, you don't have to worry about adjusting the aperture or shutter settings, things like that. That makes it really simple. You know, I'll tell you, you take this whole idea of be comfortable with your own body and everybody is beautiful to a whole new level with these cows. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to hear you speak so poetically about the beauty of a Jersey cow. Oh yeah. Until they start, you know, acting feisty and then I'll have a couple other words for them. But. <laughs> well, as any, as any good cow should have a right to get every now and then. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so farming has been your whole life. It has, you know, and it all started, I guess both my parents came from dairy farms too. And my dad, when he graduated high school, he right away started renting a farm on his own. And then he and my mom bought this farm. I know a lot of people talk about being uh, so many generations on a farm saying like, I'm the fourth generation, the fifth generation. Well, I'm technically only the second generation on my family's farm because my mom and dad didn't have anything to inherit. So they started this and we're a smaller farm. We only milk about 70 cattle. I think the average in Wisconsin now is more, it's more than a hundred, probably around 150 or so. And we're very old school. We don't have a milking parlor. We don't have a freestyle barn. We still let our cows out on pasture. They're milked in a stanchion. So we have the technology there. We're not milking by hand. It's amazing how many people ask us if we still milk our cows by hand. And no, we're not that old school. <laughs> Do you know how to do that if you had to? I have, and I am not good at it because, of course, you do cow milking contests at dairy breakfast, things yeah. like that. But the best cow milking contest is every once in a while, cow will calve, and we'll have all the equipment shut down. You know, vacuum pump shut off, but we need to feed the calf the mother's milk. And so my dad and I will each grab a bottle, and we'll sit there and try to milk the cow by hand. And I will maybe have half a pint, and he's got a full bottle overflowing, and that's like four pints of milk. So I can't I can't stop my dad. That's a life I, I cannot identify with. <laughs> but uh, there is really quite a swing back to that old fashioned way of doing things. I mean, is 
does your family do it that way just because that's what they bought and have, or is there a conscious reason for staying a little bit more old fashioned, more hands-on, so to speak? Yeah, I think there's a combination of things. So like you said, there is a movement now where people are trying to go more towards that. There's this regenerative egg movement where instead of having these large scale farms that are specified in either chickens or hogs or dairy, they're going to have a little bit of everything because that creates diversity and they believe that it'll lead to a little bit more balanced ecosystem. But on our farm, it's a little bit of that's what my parents bought into. And they also unfortunately know that they will probably be the first and the last generation on that farm. I come home on weekends and I love being on the farm. I love interacting with my cattle, but it's one of those careers where I'm not sure if I want to work seven days a week, 365 days a year and not have a guaranteed salary. Yeah. (laughs) And so there was a time when my brother was debating coming back to the farm. At that time, they were talking about investing and expanding, building a milking parlor. But when he decided not to, he went on and got a cheesemaker's license. He worked in a cheese factory for a little bit. Now he's doing maintenance for a hospital. So kind of completely exited the dairy industry. And it was one of those things that when they realized that there wasn't going to be another generation coming to the farm, it wouldn't have been worth the investment to put in. So they're milking right now and looking towards a transition plan for when we do sell the cattle, which is sad. Yeah, it is sad. Not very unique, though, these days, is it that uh, the generation on the farm now might be the last? It's not. You know, we're unfortunately seeing hundreds of farms in a year go by the wayside. And a lot of people ask me, why is that happening? Is it because farms are going bankrupt or is it because there's not another generation coming back? And I don't know the clear cut answer. I know both are part of the picture, but I can't tell you for sure which is the leading reason for why we're seeing fewer and fewer farms. But like I said, fewer and fewer people nowadays want to put in seven days a week and every day of the year, holidays, weekends, nights is very unpredictable. And I hate saying that because I know it makes me sound a little bit lazy and shaming the generations who have worked so hard before me. And so you really have to love it. It has to be born into your blood. And you have to understand that this career comes with several hardships, but also several rewards. I mean, there's no day better than like what we had over the weekend where it was beautiful weather and you could be outside and you could see your inputs physically in front of you. You could see the cat that was being born that you helped guide to life. You can see the corn seed being put into the ground. And that I think is more rewarding than any career that I'll ever find. That's a perfect way to lead into talking about the situation we find ourselves in. It, it seems to me that farming under the best of circumstances is never an easy job. And it certainly can't have gotten any easier with this virus situation that we're living through. No, it's just been tough. And especially because 2020 was supposed to finally be the year for agriculture. We know that there's trends in the market prices. We know things go up and down, but we had gone through four or five years of bad market prices. And finally, this was going to be the year where that was going to break. We're going to have some stability pretty much in all the sectors of agriculture and COVID-19 hit. And I know why there's some confusion because obviously people are still eating. People are still dressing. I know we're maybe not driving as much as what we used to, but you know, you're using food, fuel, and fiber every day. And so there's a little bit of confusion as to why things have suddenly come to a halt. And my mom and I, we kind of joke, be it it's not a very laughable joke. Whenever we see the milk truck back into our barn, we say, oh, we're still getting picked up today because 
there's some dairy farmers out there that aren't having their milk picked up and they're dumping it. And we don't know how much longer that's going to continue. And to be honest, we don't even know how many farms are doing it. The Department of Agriculture is asking farmers to call in and report when they're dumping their milk. And I know farmers, of course, are reporting it to their own processors because their processors are asking them to do so. But there's been a lot of reasons for why this is happening. Of course, when the restaurants were closed, that dropped a lot of sales. I think the Cheesemakers Association says about half of the state's cheese goes through restaurants. And when 90% of our milk is made into cheese, that's a huge blow for Wisconsin dairy farmers. I had no idea that number was so high. Yes, we're mostly cheese production in this state, you know, and that's why we really toot our horns. Yes, California has a fluid milk production, but we are the best in the business when it comes to taking our milk and making it into cheese. We make 600 varieties, types, and styles of cheese. We're the only state that requires our cheesemakers to have a license. So it's really something where we found a way to hone in on a market and really make it ours and make it special. And I think that's what helps continue creating a demand for Wisconsin dairy products. But when we don't have the markets that there to get it out, there's only so much you can do. What are farmers, well, you know what, let me back up. Just in case there are some folks that may not know this, you can't just stop milking your cows. Right. And that's one thing that made the timing of this situation even worse. Because like you said, you can't stop milking your cows. And typically on our farm, we have calves born all time of the year, but we're in springtime. And so there's what we call the spring flush or normally cows are making more milk than ever before because, you know, just like us, we're a little bit more productive in the spring, but also more cows are calving in the springtime. And so not only are we losing markets for our milk with schools closed and restaurants closed, but we're having more milk out there than before. And so it's hard because you can't just turn off a cow and you can't tell a cow stop making milk. And you also can't feed a cow less and give her less quality of care, give her less bedding in her stall because she's an animal. She's something that we care about deeply because if they're not happy, then they're not able to help us. I always tell people, and they think that it's a little ridiculous, but I say animals are our partners in this business. If they're not happy, we can't do what we do. Just like in an employment situation, if the coworkers aren't happy with one another, you're not gonna have an effective business. And so that's what's made this really challenging is you lose your market and you can't stop. It also sounds like this is probably the time of the year when uh, dairy farms might make the majority of their profit. Yes. And fortunately, you know, we did make it through Christmas time and the holidays are really good for us. The Super Bowl is huge because, of course, you have the appetite. I mean, who doesn't eat cheese curds and mozzarella sticks while watching the Super Bowl? So at least we made I, it. I'm raising my hand, both hands. Yes. <laughs> but even look at June Dairy Month. That is the biggest celebration of our state's dairy industry. And a lot of dairy breakfasts are not going to happen. And not only is that a way for us to promote our product and what we do, but it's also a way for us to connect with consumers who are getting further and further removed from the farm and don't understand and may have questions when they go into the grocery stores. That's why we host a lot of these dairy breakfasts is to bring people out to the farm, eat the cheese, drink the milk, and now let's show you where that started from. And when we can't do that, this is going to create even more disconnect. Mm, eat the cheese, drink the milk. <laughs> if Wisconsin's ever looking for a new motto, I think that's probably a good one. This is Around River City, and we'll continue our conversation with Midwest Family of La Crosse Farm News Director Caitlin Riley in just a bit. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. Let's move beyond the business of farming for just a bit here. Caitlin, what kinds of things are happening with and what are you hearing from your friends who are farming today? You know, it's one of those things where unfortunately, 
I don't want to say it's become the norm to be a little disheartened because of what's happening in the industry, but this is something that we've been through for the past four or five years. And there is, are a lot of people out there who are starting to really feel the strain. And not only is it the financial strain, like you mentioned, but it's also just sickening to see something that you worked so hard for being dumped into a field or being thrown away when you're the one who put in the hours for that. I mean, it'd be like us working in radio, working so hard to put together a newscast and then just throwing it away before people get to hear it. And we know we're providing a high quality product and it's something that we need to get out there. And we know that there are people out there who are hungry. And so when you can't create that connection, bridge that gap, that's what makes it so frustrating. But what I have seen and what's really encouraging is a lot of agricultural groups are doing what they can to take this excess product and donate it. So there has been a lot of FFA groups who are raising money or donating gallons of milk and distributing it. We're getting the word out there about ways to buy milk for food pantries online, especially because milk's a hard product to donate because you're asking the food pantries then to refrigerate it or cool it. And so finding ways to make that financially available. There's this new Curds for Kids nonprofit that I just interviewed a week or two ago where they're working with these milk processors and they're buying cheese curds from them and they're receiving donations from the community, from businesses, and they're sending them out in the school lunches. So any way that they can to keep moving milk off the market. So it's one of those things where it's really sad and it's tough right now. And a lot of farmers are kind of kicking the dirt saying what's going to be the future, what's going to happen in the next month. But I think it also shows resiliency of those who are working in the industry because instead of just facing with our heads to the ground, we're looking up and we're finding a solution. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've noticed this with other conversations that I've had over the past month or so while we've been going through this. And it seems a little uncomfortable to say that I'm seeing something positive come from all of this, but I feel like this ingenuity and this creativity that we have as far as how to help one another, how to get around obstacles, get over obstacles, get through obstacles and just make things work and do what needs to be done is pretty amazing. It is. And that's where social media is a blessing and a curse because I know we can see a lot of negativity on social media, but it's also been great for getting ideas when we're seeing these stories being shared. And we're also seeing the comments from people saying, how can we help? I'm not a dairy farmer, but I want to help in any way that I can. I love the idea of buying products from my neighbor or from our local community. And that's one thing, like you said, it's weird to say we might be seeing some positivity out of this, but that's one thing that I think if anything that this virus did that could be good for us is I think it's waking us up to more community support and more community effort. And we're even seeing that in lacrosse with our food drive Fridays. I mean, my gosh, those have gone berserk with the donations that have come in. And it's just a sign that we're rallying together. Yeah. Are you noticing any, anything that has changed because of the situation that you might think will uh, just continue on even after the Corona era is behind us, you know, any, any change in farming or the, in people's attitudes, are you seeing anything that will, you know, that is a, a permanent change? You know, that's one thing where we're still heading into a lot of unknowns and meat processing. I know that's what's been in the headlines a lot with these plants shutting down and trying to figure out what we're going to do with the animals. I think that's going to be a big change. And I think it'll be interesting to see what that means for agriculture, because they're trying to obviously work to get these animals processed to put out that high quality protein product for people. They're also wanting to keep the workers safe. And I was listening to a press conference where they said, yes, we will reopen this facility, but we're not going to be able to put as many animals through as we had in the past because we want to distance our workers. We want to make sure that they follow these guidelines. 
And a lot of people may not make that connection, but most do, where dairy farmers are just as tightly connected to the meat industry because our dairy cows have an end of term for their dairy career, and then they are entering the meat market. And so when these fluid milk prices started dropping and when farmers were asked to either dump milk or or lower the size of their herds, a lot of them were taking them to the meat market. Well, that was flooding a lot of our meat processors where so beef farmers weren't able to get them in there. And so it'll be interesting to see not only for pork and poultry, but also for beef, how these changes in the meat packing facilities and those plants impact how many animals we can send through and what that means for our prices and demands and also what that means for our consumer options in the store. Hmm. What are you looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> Once all of this is said and done, but oh man, I think one of the big things that I'm looking forward to is hopefully an increased demand in dairy products because what we talked about before, we're getting intuitive with the ways that we're partnering with community members. Quick Trip just signed on with some local schools to become their milk provider. And they're saying that's not just going to happen when we're going through this coronavirus pandemic. This is going to continue once school gets back up and we're starting a sense of normalcy. So that is so cool to see a somewhat local business that's here in La Crosse being able to distribute milk from farms within a hundred mile radius right into our school's fingertips. Also the Curse for Kids program I don't know about you, but I was raised on a dairy farm and I still wasn't raised with eating cheese curds for lunch every day. So if we are putting cheese curds in the hand of these kids and giving them a hankering for it, a craving for it, maybe we're getting our future cheesemongers up there who can grow up to have that demand and that urge to continue supporting those of us who do want to pursue careers in agriculture because we are seeing a drop in the number of people who are getting involved in farming. But I also know people who didn't have parents who farm, but they want to. They say, this is something I want to do, but it's hard to get into. It's hard to get that capital investment. It's hard to find the land. It's hard to find the animals and resources. And so if we can keep stimulating the industry, keep showing support and building on these partnerships, I'm looking forward to seeing what the end resolution will be when we do make it through COVID-19, because we will make it through. Oh, yeah. It's just a question of when and what it's gonna look like. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to you coming back into the building. <laughs> I'm going to watch that too. <laughs> uh, so that'll be very nice. And just so I can end on a positive note, I, I do have to mention for everybody that we are recording this conversation on May the 4th. And uh, you and members of your family are nearly as nerdy about Star Wars <laughs> as I am. And Caitlin and I had a bet about the outcome of this uh, last episode nine of Star Wars. And we bet wine. And we were both wrong. We but were. Like, it was like cat's game. Yeah, I would. I would like to go on record as saying I was less wrong than you were. So I think oh. I still won. And on day day one of you coming back in the building, I'd like my bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one, but I'll always know that I was less wrong, and that's a victory, don't you think? Caitlin Riley, she's the farm news director for Midwest Family of Lacrosse, and she still spends a lot of time on her family farm. Next up. I'll talk with Donna Liam about life on her family farm. This is Around River City. We'll be right back. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City. You can subscribe to the podcast at aroundrivercity.com, and you'll be alerted every time we have a new episode. I had a chance to talk with Donna Liam over the phone the other day. She and her husband have raised a family on the farm that's been their home for almost 30 years. Um, my husband and I bought this farm. It'll be 29, well, 
29 and a half years ago, and um, we have registered jerseys, and we sell our milk to Westby Creamery. The barn holds 53, so that's the maximum that we would have in the wintertime because we don't want any cows outside. And now this time of year, we milk extra and switch them. Well, I can definitely tell now why Caitlin gave me your name to talk to because she's a Jersey-loving girl, too. That's how we met her family, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we met because Caitlin and her brother are similar ages to our kids. Okay. They showed cattle together and went to state fair together and all that good stuff. What's the big deal with jerseys? And are there a lot of them around the Westby area? They're a smaller animal. They don't poundage-wise milk quite as much as a Holstein, but the fat and protein that's in the milk is higher, which means if you um, have a like a pitcher of milk, because we drink the milk from our farm, we don't buy milk, and... If we bring in a pitcher of milk at night in the morning, there's probably, oh, three inches or so of just pure cream on the top. Mm. <laughs> Real wow. good for the diet. So maybe you can confirm something for me. My dad grew up on a farm. Now, this would have been in the 1920s and 30s. He said that uh, they would, a lot of times, now they were milking by hand. It was a, I, I don't yeah. know how small the operation was. But he said they would, they would just squirted in right they would just drink it right from where they're milking the cow and drink it just right from there and it was warm and uh, is that real do people do that well i guess you can but that'd be kind of gross it's nothing any of us kids ever wanted to be a part of (laughs) that sounds gross yeah it does so let's move on to something not so gross did you and your husband both grow up on farms are you are you farmer uh from birth um my husband is I grew up in town. Ah, so you're a convert. Yes. Did you ever fall in love with the farm life, or are you there for your husband? I think both. Yeah? It's kind of a a package deal, you know, because you live here, or we raised our kids here, you know, and our kids are both very involved in agriculture, and that's what, they both have dairy science degrees, and, you know, so it's, dairy is definitely part of us anymore. Yeah. I mean, I like the animals and being outside, and I'm not afraid of physical work and all of that stuff, but there are some negatives, like the time off. You know, you can't just go away for a weekend, you know, a spur of the moment. You have to get somebody to do chores that you can rely on and trust. Yeah, I mean, when I take a vacation, you know, I get I get paid vacation from my employer. Your cows right. don't give you paid vacation, so you're losing money when you go on vacation. It, it costs us, yes. You know, the milk is, the cows are still being milked, but we're paying somebody to do that, so there really isn't much profit. Do you have a favorite place on your farm that you love to go? On our other farm, there's a, a we call it the pie-shaped piece. It's just an awful piece of land that is really hard to work because it's a pie shape. And um, it's just really quiet back there, and it's a wooded, and it's got these big rocks, kind of like at a, like at a city park or something back there, and it's just nice and quiet. And that's my dream place of building a house one day, but my husband says it is a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> he just, that's what he says. So, you know, we all know that dairy farming in the best of times is kind of unrelenting, unforgiving. As you said, you know, you, you don't just take some time off on the spur of the moment. That's the best of times. 
how are you doing as a business and as a family during this time that we're in right now, this coronavirus time? I guess, you know, for my husband and myself, being in this business, it's it's not like a nine-to-five job that you're with a lot of people or a factory, you know, something like that. We're here, and we don't have to see anybody if we don't, you know, or come into contact with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um my husband has diabetes, so he has pretty much been homebound for what close to two months, and that you know, and he's been the one taking care of everything here. I, on the other hand, have still had to work and be gone, but you know, it's I've been very careful about things. And our son has come home a few times, but our daughter and her family have not because she has. They have a year and a half old little mm, girl sure. and she's pregnant so we don't want them here <laughs> you know i'd love it just kills me to say no you can't come but no <laughs> are they close they, by um our son lives in madison and our, our daughter lives in um just outside of darlington okay but it's been really nice at, um especially with them with the little girl and stuff because at that age you know they're gonna she could forget us you know to some extent and so we've been doing the skyping and the video chatting and stuff and that that's better than nothing i guess yeah it is it is it's uh you know there are so many choices i have a 10 year old who lives with uh most of the time with her mother and she's right in town here and uh, i have barely seen her in a couple of months as well, just yeah. out of an abundance of caution. And uh, you just got to do the right thing in the big picture in, in looking ahead, even though it hurts now, and just hope for the best, I guess. Yeah, well, and like I've said on different things that I've been involved in, you know, sometimes you have to make a decision that you just don't like, but you know it's the best. You know, you know it's the right one. You don't like it, but you know it's the right one. Very well said. You know, of course I want my family here and my granddaughter here, but I also want her home and safe. Probably too early to know if your one-and-a-half-year-old grandchild is uh, going to love the farm. Um, I think she will. She doesn't really have much choice. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, when she's here, she's out in the barn with us and, you know, playing outside and stuff. And there's animals all over. And at her house, they've got dogs and two miniature donkeys that she loves. And then my son-in-law's family has a large dairy, so... When she's with the other grandparents or with her dad, she's on a farm. She'll love it. She'll love it. You know, it. so much of farm life to me seems to be, uh, there's something about farm families that seems different to me than other families. Do you notice that? I think they're closer because you work together. You live, you know what I mean? You're always together. <laughs> Is that always a good thing? Not always. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to get away from everybody for a while and just take a breather and yeah. But there's a a knowing of each other that seems unique to farm families, you know, because you do spend so much time together. Yeah. I just walked out onto our porch and I've got a sign that says the family that farms together stays together. Oh, that's nice. Do you really feel that? Pretty much, yeah. Because, I mean, you, well, like when the kids were little, and weren't of, you know, a lot of help, like field work or whatever. And we would, say, pack a lunch, and we'd all go and have lunch in the field or whatever. And they still like to do that because they're like, oh, we always used to have pulled sandwiches. And, you know, they'd, you know, so it's just memorable for them. Well, I hope 
you are able to look forward to some great memories to be made for your grandkids. What are you thinking about the farm in the long run? Do you look 10, 20 years ahead? Yes, yeah. Probably won't be milking forever, you know. Um, But we would like to, I don't know, what we'd do. Maybe raise some beef or some steers or something and... We, we would never move to town, that's for sure. Oh, yeah? I was going to say, maybe the never. best way to celebrate it when you're done milking is just to go someplace spontaneously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I could build my house on my dream piece of land over there. <laughs> Cheers to those dreams coming true, Donna. Thanks to Caitlin Riley and Donna Liam for the conversation, and thank you for listening in. This is Around River City. You can find all of our podcasts at aroundrivercity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Ken Cooper. Talk with you next time on Around River City.